Okay, so your redundant pens. You have two pens? Dose pens. Yep. There's a theme, a system, an idea called two is one, one is none. Okay. So by having a second pen, you have a backup pen. Having one pen is basically no pen. One interesting place to apply this in your life is like dishwasher detergent. Okay? You know to get more dishwasher detergent when the one is gone. When you're out of detergent and you need to wash your clothes, uh, you're out of luck. So two is one, one is none. I mean, you already got me. Look, I'm going to... In the... um, Where I used to work, uh, inventory. We did inventory. I forgot what day it was. But every day we'd do inventory, and there was markers where we should have that. And it would be a little strip, and it would say, dial soap. And if that was empty, that means we had to go get some. But there was multiple dial soaps. But if there was one that was on the sink, and then there was three, then you had to go replace the one that was on there because we always had extra because you don't want to not have it because we were somewhere else and all the storage and inventory was somewhere else. You would go get that thing, grab it. And so that's what it reminded me of. Do you have like a bunch of checklists when you were in fire? Yeah. I mean, they have routines and they have checklists for inventory checklists. So you checklist everything out inside the rig. Uh, and then when you're an engineer or everything, you have a checklist that you go through and then you memorize that checklist that you go through when you're learning these new things, you have a checklist because you can go through and do that checklist. And then ultimately you don't need the checklist because you memorize it. Uh, but checklists are super important in that, in that field. And, uh, for me, it held me accountable and it's a way that I would go through. There's the DMV, um, thing we had to go through and you would go through the checklist. So you would just print out the checklist and then go through and then memorize it. So you because it's like a check. Same thing with uh, bus drivers. My dad, he has a checklist that he does before he gets in the rig every single time. Same thing that they would do every single shift change. Every time you come on shift, you would check your BA, you would do all that stuff, check all the air, refill the bottle, make sure it's a certain PSI. Uh, so there's definitely a checklist in place because you don't want to have low PSI or low air when you're going to a fire and be like, oh, well, yeah, I really no should have checked the seal on my mask or no the, that something was wrong. So um, two is one. Is that what is two is one? One is none. Two is one. One is none. Now, do you have like a checklist like pre-race when you were competing? Now I do. Well, now it's in, in my brain. It's all in your head. Um, but that's practice. So I do. But, uh, when you think about a checklist for a race, our athletes or my athletes, they practice months before. And so we practice our morning routine our breakfast what time we wake up what time we have coffee how much water we drink what is our breakfast uh, and then that way when we get to the starting line we've already practiced all those things so that we're getting the start line we don't have to go poop we're getting the start line we don't have to pee our pants uh, when we get three miles into the race i know know that if i had water at 8 30 and my race is at nine i would have to stop at mile three and that's 30 seconds that if we're trying to go for PR or a really good time, then you already have those mapped out. So you practice them early so that race day, everything's kind of ironed That's out. super interesting. So you don't need a checklist because you do it every day. So it's like, yeah, do I'll... I need a checklist to go to the bathroom in the morning? No, I don't need that. <laughs> no, uh, but it uh, allows us to practice uh, food. Uh, and if you didn't have that in place on the morning of your race, you don't want that to be the day that you try something new. They even say the dinner before you, everything. Everything's already practiced so that when you get to race day, nothing's new. So if you go and venture out like if I had a race in Nebraska I already knew that I would go to the grocery store I would have this this and this set up in our hotels our hotels are very specific to what type of hotel I'm going to be in I need to have a a microwave or a refrigerator or I need to be able to have access to orange whatever it is and I set up all that well before the race so that I know that those things are taken care of okay so I guess it's good kind of time to ask what are you training for now and then what are you doing that's actively um kind of setting up for that event um okay well this me i train because it's fun 
So I don't train because I get paid or anything to train. I do it because I thoroughly enjoy it and it keeps me, I don't know, excited. I love being excited. And so one thing that I'm currently trained for is the Eugene Marathon and in training for the Eugene Marathon. In Oregon? In Oregon. So I'll fly up to Oregon and race with my buddy from Texas. He and I haven't ran a race together, but we've ran races at different times. And he currently has the fastest marathon time out of us. And so this would be the first time we're running with each other, supposedly. But um, I'm interested to see how that turns out. We're both training for the race just to say that we're going to go. We have a a B goal in mind that that would, on that day at least, we want to hit this, which would qualify us for something else. Uh, And then there's also these underlining ones that uh, I know his time. And so my big goal, if I can stay on this path, would be run this one in April and then run a really fast one in December of next year. So if you're ever thinking about signing up for a marathon, it's not a 12-week plan. You sign up for a marathon and a 12-week plan, and then you are ready for a marathon. Uh, it, it, it's a year, a year plus, two years, three years plus of thinking about the future. And so having those little check marks are in there in place. You lo- do you enjoy that journey? You love the journey? So I didn't used to. That's actually one of the topics that I want to talk about is it's really easy to sign up for a marathon because all you do is on your computer, you go click and you pay 150 bucks and you sign up for a marathon. Everyone takes a screenshot and then post it. It says in four months, I'm going to run a marathon. I had people already signed up for the race next December and they're all excited, which is great. And I think that's super fun. And I've been guilty of this myself. So I'm not saying that I'm, I know, all, but I'm just saying that I've done it before. Uh, what that looks like is you sign up for the race, you get excited in the beginning and then you fall off your training plan and then you get to race day and you're like, man, I really wish I would have trained better. And then you're just proud to finish the race. So you went from like, oh, I'm going to get this time to, oh, I'm just going to try to survive. My sister, uh, God bless her soul. I was just talking about this last night. She's really good. Her mental edge is top notch. Like she's crazy. Super, you can say stubborn, but very strong will gets it from our father uh, had babies without any help, like, um, runs races, ultra marathons, all this stuff just to sign up on a whim and go do it. But her potential of what she could get if she stuck with a plan and made it a priority, she's a a mom, a wife, a teacher takes care of kids, all this stuff. So it's like, that's not her big priority, but if she had made it a priority, she would excel and go extremely well. if She followed the plan. And I make fun of her because it's ultimately making fun of myself. I always say it's really easy to sign up for a race and just survive. But it's really, really hard to sign up for a race and commit for six months. Commit, sacrifice uh, for the four to six months that it might take for you to train for that race. But understanding that the race is just a sprinkle on the cake. The cake is built in that little process, that journey of training. So if you can find a way to enjoy the training aspect of it by group runs, loving to be by yourself, doing these things with other people, uh, hitting these different milestone markers and workouts. That is more, I'd much rather train for a race and kind of get sick, but had a great training block than have no training block and be able to complete the race. But that's one of the things I wrote down over there. (laughs) It's really easy to sign up for a race. But actually doing on a day-to-day basis, the hard part. Yeah, like waking up this morning on the day after Christmas on Tuesday and be out there at five in the morning is harder than not doing that. So I would think that that, but I enjoy that for me, it's, it's simple. Cause I love that. 
the race with your friend that you're going to run with, uh, Luca, recently, my son, uh-huh. when he was running a mile time, he ran like 650, and he was all happy to get 650. That's fantastic. And then like a week or so later, he ran like 628 or something because he was competing with this other kid in this class, and he wanted to beat him. Uh-huh. And like so with that amount of time, it's just amazing, the psychology of these kids. Like he's doing his best trying to – he wants to win it. But it's fa- it's funny how like that competitiveness drew him forward. Do you think that's going to be the case with you and your buddy, or is that a negative work you could burn yourself out? Both. Uh, it's a fine line. Uh, the athletes that I talk with, we deal with on a regular basis. There's a fine line that we're riding as it's, uh, you're kind of riding that injury line, uh, overtraining, burnout, uh, adrenal fatigue, but at the same time, you're trying to compete and it motivates you at the same time. So you're kind of just flirting with this, we'll just call it our threshold line. And then as soon as we hit over that line, we're putting ourselves susceptible to more injuries, more fatigue, burnout. And so, but you're just trying to find a good training plan is where you're riding that line perfectly. And as you're riding that line, it's slowly lifting up that ceiling. So you get your threshold a little bit taller. But I agree, I didn't even sign up for this race. My buddy signed me up for this race because he was tired of me talking about running marathons. And he said, let's put your money where your mouth is. So it's a good friend. That's fun. Yeah, I wanna give a shout out to Aaliyah. She's uh, one of the clients here. And I was thinking about this this morning. She made this bracelet. And she is a hairstylist. She's awesome. She's a mom. She's an amazing wife to her husband, amazing mother to her kids. And she came in and she made my wife, myself, and my daughter and my son these little land shark bracelets. And I reminded I was looking at it this morning and it reminded me of her because of, and then I was like, oh, that's super cool. And I was thinking about her progression and what she's done the last three to four months. She signed up. And she's been very consistent. If you want to be consistent, you sign up for the five o'clock and you work out with those ladies because those ladies and soon to be a gentleman, uh, they are just super highly motivated and they are my most consistent class. class. You would think that would be the least consistent because it's early, but those ones make the decision every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they come here. And so she's starting to see results. She's been able to see them, but now people are starting to see them. And it it got me excited because I, we were talking about it and you can see the joy come out of her face as she was kind of talking about how she's noticed a change. She feels different. People are starting to notice. And then that, that joy inside made me happy inside. And then when I saw this bracelet, it reminded me of that joy. And so I wanted to give her a shout out. So she's making jewelry now. And uh, it's pretty cool. So Aaliyah, I don't even know her Instagram. Aaliyah Jewelry. I don't know. But I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But uh, That's super her. inspiring. What's she doing between the two doors that's contributing? That? Did she talk about it? Uh she is a very no she's just committed consistent and she does a few things outside that's kind of helped her she prioritizes stuff that she does outside the two doors before that when she comes in she she makes it apparent i think one thing that she does outside those two doors is commit to being here on monday wednesday friday so no matter like if she doesn't get sleep if her daughter wakes her up there's always reasons not to go but she continues to come so the fact that she's even though the stuff outside is trying to distract her she's come in and and come in and, and seen amazing results she's super strong uh so it's just awesome so i was thinking about that this morning i wanted to say that Man, just so positive, both sides. Positive for her, it must be great. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was very apparent that my favorite <clears throat> colors are black and blue and white together because when she gave this to me, I put it on and I looked down at my wardrobe and I was wearing a black sweatshirt with white writing with blue shorts. I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. And then I look at her logo and it's black and blue and white so, and red. But Okay, what do you got? Going back to the marathon, um, so do you set a goal to complete the marathon? Do you have a goal to complete a certain amount of time? So how do you think about setting a goal for the marathon? 
so that's a really good question. Um, when I first started the marathon journey, it was signing up for a marathon and just completing it. However many years ago, 2012 or 2011, 2010, I don't remember my first marathon. It was to go and like break four hours. Um, and then the next one I did, I signed up. I was, I'm that person that I was saying that it's really easy to sign up for races because I know from experience. I'd sign up for a race, start training, kind of fell off, got distracted, was getting married, going and all this stuff. And then like, oh, the training doesn't. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to survive. And then I ran another one. And then I ended up kind of getting the itch to run Boston, like to train for Boston. Boston and the marathon or running world is a really cool thing because it makes everyday average people like you and I uh, try really hard to qualify for a time. And so for us at that time, it was a sub three hour marathon. So I told, I think I told you the story last week. I told my captain, I'm going to train for a marathon. And I told him the pace and he goes, no, you're not. You're not and I said, okay. And that's kind of like in spite of him and just myself, I qualified for that. So I ended up training and then achieving all those goals. And then it just continued to snowball. But what happened was, and kind of what you talked about, the competitive thing is it turned into a job for me instead of the enjoyment of it. So I started seeking that final goal of a time as something that gave me, it was my identity. And so I was like, oh, if I get this goal, then I'll be this person. I will be someone who ran that. So it, it ended up being my identity and it, it backfired on me completely. What it meant was I thought if I got that goal, then I'd be um, respected as like a runner. Like the number came, became your identity, not you being a runner. You're saying the time that you were shooting the for. The time I was shooting for would help me identify as a runner instead of me just identifying as a cool. runner. Okay. Uh, and so I ended up running and having the best training block. Everything went well, ran the fastest half marathon of my life. And then I kind of, I didn't do so great on a marathon. And so this is actually my first marathon since that marathon. So it'd be kind of cool to see how I rebound from that redemption race, you want to call it. But really this is just something fun for me so I can run. So I will, I have a goal in mind. And that helps for me is like if I'm a, an athlete or a coach, I can justify different paces, different thresholds that we're working on during workouts, uh, different target workouts that I can go to see what kind of shape I'm in. Because if I'm going for a whatever time you're looking for, eight minute mile, a six minute mile, a 10 minute mile, you can justify 10K pace, half marathon pace, and then preemptively choose workout thresholds based on those. So that's kind of what I do it for. And then knowing that this race will be one thing, hoping for or expecting this number to be okay with and then rebuilding off of that and then after I rebuild it shoot for another number so like gradually taking little chunks off it's kind of what my goal is okay so uh for the for the goal do you have it like mapped out in advance what those rates are at different milestones or is it kind of just on a you keep yourself on a weekly basis you're reviewing that training plan I review the chair training plan weekly I do a macro plan uh, and uh, again, I didn't, this is none of my stuff. Like I learned this from people way smarter than me and I need to stop saying that. I learned this from people who have more experience than me. And when they kind of took me under their wing, they had taught me some things. And, uh, one of the things was we, if I have a marathon in December, uh, we'll do a 5k block in January, January, February, 5k block, uh, March, April, May might be a 10k block, uh, June, July, August might be a half marathon block. And then September, October, November into December is my marathon block. So I just progressively over the year went from a 25 miles a week to 75 to 85 miles a week. I didn't go from 10 miles a week to 85 miles a week for marathon training. So, but in doing this 5k block, 10k block, half marathon block, I built the speeds. And at the end of those blocks, I usually sign up for a race. 
and that race will indicate what kind of fitness I'm in because a lot of times oh, cool. the race pulls out a, a time more than you would think. There's also, as a coach, I have workout identifiers. So I'll have a workout that's a test, but my athletes don't know it's a test, but I know it's a test because I wrote it for myself. And I'll do those workouts to see where I am. And I'm like, okay, this is where I am currently. We can readjust and do it that way. So that's. I like that. So is there something that you're letting go of? Because this is something you're adding in. How do you think about, like, I'm going to add this in. Do you intentionally think about, like, I'm going to have to, like, set this aside? Or is it going to basically replace the training you already? A replace. So instead of doing a bunch of bro sessions in this gym, I get to run more often. And uh, just adding more running and lifting, not no weights, but lifting less weights. Be more specific with my workouts in um, conjunction or in, in, I don't know, with my, my running plan. Because I run hard when it's, uh, on hard days, and I also work out strength train on those days. And then that's just my training philosophy. And I do easy days easy, hard days hard. Okay. So. Are you cutting, like, specific cutting any weight or anything like that? Or is it... So that's a, another one a lot of runners or uh, endurance athletes do. And me, again, I... Which would be like muscle there. mass. Like, do you care? Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't necessarily... Inadvertently, I, I do that. I don't try. I used to. I remember I would be... I used to uh, run a time trial or run a race. And I'd run a... Whatever my half marathon was. But okay, and there's calculators that if you say like, oh, I weighed 200 pounds when I ran this half marathon. If I weighed 190 pounds when I ran this half marathon, there's a predicted time per second per mile, whatever it is that you would have gotten if you'd weighed this amount of weight. That's a very slippery slope. Yeah, and it's so uh, much more complicated than that. Yeah, well that, and it's, it's a big, when you look at runners, Ryan Hall, uh, the fastest American half marathon and marathoner, he struggled with those weight problems and ended up getting so low that he ended up injuring and getting hurt and overdoing it and getting so small when he ran when he was a little bit heavier he actually ran his faster times and so when he got lighter he ran less fast so it was i'm very thankful that i can learn from those type of people and just be like okay i saw that this happened blah 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 and kind of take from their scenarios it is true the lighter you are it is easier on your body there's no doubt about it but because i have more muscle mass than let's say someone else i might be more injury proof a durable piece of Tupperware than someone who's lighter and not eating enough because what you eat is definitely what you get out of it. Uh, I never try with my athletes to do a decrease in weight and an increase in performance. So I'm not trying to lower weight and increase performance at the same time. Uh, and I used to try to do that. I used to try to decrease weight and increase improvement in my, like my workouts and it, you can't really do those together. It, what you can do is train for a long period of time, and your body will naturally adapt to the, the stimulus that you're giving it. And it will, over time, not instantly, get you in a better position. Like my body composition now versus when I was running 80 miles a week, my body composition was a lot different. Uh, muscle mass size is a lot different. Just because my body naturally was like, I don't need this up here. And I can, all that stuff. So I don't know if that kind of answers your That's question. That's really cool. This is turning into a lot of marathon questions. Matt. You know, I ask all those marathon questions because I think it's interesting the way you attack goal setting for training for something, I think it could be kind of abstracted and use that for other things in life. So do you set goals for anything else in life that's kind of in line with the way you do for marathon training? Uh, themes. Um, so with my marathon training, I do a macro plan of, I want to be hitting this amount of miles during this week, this amount of miles during this week, where's my deload week? How can I add a race into this week? And that kind of, uh, a, a broader, like a, a, a blueprint 
I do the same thing with goals. You had kind of talked about, do you set goals for the year? And my goal for last year, um, so I guess the answer is yes, but it's not necessarily like I want to lose 30 pounds this year. It was, I want to looking back at the year in review that I do at the end of it, I said, okay, what do I want to do this year? I want to motivate people to move. I want to be more involved in my kids' lives. And so I accomplished those two goals. And it's not necessarily like I want to floss every day. I want to give up dessert every day. I want to this, that, and whatsoever. It was more of just a theme to kind of help remind me. Uh, I am lucky in the fact that I continue to try to do goals throughout the year. So if I'm, let's say, a race for me might be my goal, but that ends in April of this year. And then I'll do a new goal. So I have a new goal every four four months or so, and those kind of help me going. If, if something comes up that I feel that I suck at, then I will attack that right away. I don't wait till New Year's to attack it. I generally will just attack it right then. When I find something that's not great, I'll just kind of try to nip it in the butt ASAP. So I don't know if that kind of... Yeah, so what about for your business? Like, do you and Kiara sit down and intentionally kind of like set out goals for the year or theme? I mean, motivate their movements, heavily mm-hmm. involved, obviously, with what you're doing in your business. But is there anything like on a quarterly basis for the year that you guys do? We have not at the moment sat down. When we uh, first started, we did uh, a monthly meeting, budget meeting, talked about what we were going to do during that month. And as we go through that month, did we accomplish those goals? And that helped us get started. Uh, we've fallen off of those things, which are not great uh, just because of other things going on in life. But we do as we continue to um, have ideas. Our, our goal is to always get people in here, not just people, but the right people, people that want to be here. And so we're not trying to set up a scheme to get random people in here. We're trying to get people that fit with what they want to do in here. So we love anybody to come in here, but we don't get offended if someone's like, oh, well, I want to come in for the week and then they don't come back. That's okay. Like I didn't do my job to um, convince you that this is the right place for you. Or maybe I did my job, but this just isn't the place for you. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the, the approach we take. We don't have, like we want to have a certain amount of members. I have a total number of members in my head that I want, uh, but I don't have a certain amount of growth per week per month um we kind of have like hey we're gonna do this and as it comes up we continue to see those things we've been lucky enough where we continue to see growth in a way that's been very apparent for us and so we don't necessarily have this but let's say um we didn't see the growth that we wanted then we would probably sit back and be like okay we need to sit back what are we missing from those things that we can help get those things and identify those right away i don't know if that kind of uh after listening to last week's podcast, I don't convince a lot of people to come in here. Like my my sales pitch to people isn't a great marketing tool. Like if someone were to watch how I try to get people in here, it's not how you would get people into a gym. Yeah, because you say it's all what you do outside of here. <laughs> yeah, and so and people, um, Karen and I chat about that all the time about how could we, you know, we can get more people in here. We can do that and. That's not our. That's not our goal. Our goal is to have this as a, a vessel for people to come in and, and use it. But we want it. There's something bigger that we're kind of trying to do, uh, and this is just a small part of what we're trying to do. And I, that's probably why we are the way that we are. But I'm more thankful for our. I mean, I'm thankful for all of them in general. But I'm very thankful for our 
a men's Bible study group that we have and how the conversations from that. Uh, I'm very thankful for the my members that we do have and the conversations we have throughout the class and relationships and friendships and uh, coach-client relationship and just friendship that I've built with some of these people uh, that I never would have in the, in the first place. Uh, same thing with running, the community and the conversations that I've had with these people. Um, I don't think that the amount of clients in here shows the ripple that I I feel and I've been coming to terms with that lately and it's been really cool to see like the outside of like we don't see it in here but where there is what a great way to frame it yeah like there's bigger ripples yeah there's Pocahontas by the way in the willow tree yeah she dips her little willow into the water yeah you are the ripples and then they are the the ones who are good (laughs) and then the ripples go out so that's or I remember seeing that with my kids and being like okay but how do we do that? How can you be the, the, the first pebble that drops in the water? And it's worrying, not worrying about how far your ripples go or how many ripples it go. It, you have to be the rock. And so my wife and I try to be that rock by exuding exactly what we believe is right. And if you align with our rock, then you get to be in our ripple. But if you don't, then that's fine. It's not your ripple, it's our ripple. So I don't know if that works. <laughs> that helps. That's good. I like that. I really like that metaphor. <laughs> Okay, so you've you've given me a lot of advice lately, and we're, we're approaching the New Year's. Like everyone, I remember when I was training in InShape, like the parking lot ridiculously mm-hmm. full all the time. And so everyone, and I I commend that. I respect people that want I want to intentionally improve. And I you know you, that to me that's a huge first step, because if someone doesn't want to change, then you can't convince them to change. So I yeah. I appreciate and respect people that want to move and want to continue to improve. If someone says, hey, uh, this year, like, this is it. Um, I'm going to get out of debt. This year, I'm going to lose that 20 pounds. Uh, what would be kind of your advice? And specifically, a lot of you shared about me around identity rather than just, like, setting that kind of goal. Um, kind of what would be your advice? I'd like for you to share that a little bit because it's helped me a lot. Well, I hope this is where you're headed. I, I, and I could be completely off, but the first thing I would do, I would say, um, what have been your goals for the last 10 years? Has it been, I want to lose 20 pounds for the last 10 years? Has it been, I'm going to get out of debt for the last 10 years? Has it been, or even in the last five years or the last three years or the last year? Like what were your goals prior to this goal? And then why is this one going to be different than those times? Or is it going to be different? Because it's really easy to sign up for the race. It's really easy to say, I want to lose 30 pounds. It's really easy to sign up for a gym membership, but not go. That's the easy part, to say it out loud. I do think that goals are great, and I think that you should um, try to hit those goals, and I think you should write them down and say them out loud. Uh, because without, I was just reading this in the, that book that we were talking about, if you're shooting an arrow or doing archery and not really hitting a target and you're just shooting an arrow, that you're not going to do that for very long. You need a target to shoot at, and then you can perfect it and get really good at it. So I think that's a fantastic way to do it. Uh, so don't. Don't not have goals. Please write them down. Have a, a attack, a plan to do that. But that's just the beginning. And then you kind of mentioned you have to identify as that person who's going to hit those goals. So what type of person makes those goals? And then what type of person you have to identify as that person? So if you if your goal is to quit smoking and you want to stop smoking cigarettes, and we walk outside and I just need a smoke break. So whatever they do, they pack their cigarettes and they smoke and then I offer you one and you say, no, I'm trying to quit. That means to me that you don't identify as a non-smoker, you identify as a smoker who's trying to quit. 
So another answer would be, I don't smoke. Another answer is, I'm not a smoker. Because you're identifying as that person. So if you want to be that type of person who doesn't smoke, you need to identify that person who doesn't smoke. If you want to identify as someone, or if you want to lose weight and lose 30 pounds, you need to identify as someone who makes the decisions that help you lose weight. The 30 pounds is, or the 20 pounds or the 10 pounds is just a number. But I need to, okay, what do other people do that see results? Okay, they, they plan their meals. Some people track their food. They go to the grocery store and they eat real food more often. Um, some people get this wrong and some people say like, well, I'm just going to eat absolutely nothing and make my caloric deficit ridiculous. And then they go through this, this ebb and flow of this really bad cycle. You identify the, okay, I work out all the time. They also do that. So I'm going to do all those things because that's what someone does it does those things. I used to get upset in the, in the fire service when I was working with these guys and they're all jacked. I was like, hey, these guys got it so easy. Like they're just ripped. And they're like, how are they so jacked all the time? And then you like see them. They're the ones that on the way to work at three in the morning, they stop at a gym in Clovis. They have a gym membership in Clovis halfway between their commute to work out before they get to shift so they can start the shift. And then you see them that night working out again. You see they're the ones that are saying no to the desserts. They're the ones that are not worrying about what other people do. They're the ones that work off before they, they work out, wake up early to, before they get off shift to go do the things. Like, because as soon as you get home, it's you have no control. Your kids are going to call what you want. Your, your wife's going to need you to do something. Your parents are going to have you like help them out around the house. And then it just gets out the way. So they prioritize the thing that they're trying to do. Does that? Yeah, that's really, okay. I, I like that a lot. So I, my favorite thing that came out of that was that what happened 10, how many times have you made this goal? And, and I only know this, right? So this, this, my moleskin, I put all this up here for a reason, but this is the type of journal that I use. Uh, I really like this journal. Uh, it's thick and it has, I really like the paper in it uh, just because of all the, the stuff and you can like do really well in it. But for me, uh, what I notice about myself this year has been a little bit different. I have a lot of these journals that start on like December 26th <laughs> or, and then they, they fade out around March, so interesting. Okay. March 3rd. And I have, and then you see them pick back up again in July. Yeah. Uh, at the end of each year, I reread all my journals. Uh, and I go through my phone pictures and I look at like, you know, what have I done? What have I accomplished this year? And one of the things that I get to go in, I get to look at exactly what I was doing this time a year ago, two years ago. And so it's been fun for me because I get to do this every time because my birthday is in January. So kind of like yours before, mine's right after. And I get to look at like a year in review. And I noticed this last time that I saw a lot in December, January, and February in the beginning of these journals. And then all of a sudden it goes from March to July. So there's like a two or three month gap. I'm like, man, I wonder what happened. And then I guess my next journal, January, February, March, full, kind of fall off. And so I'm not saying that I have it all figured out, but because I don't obviously my journal say that, but what's changed differently this year than any other year is God, which has been kind of crazy. Uh, and so having these have been like, I just continue to do these things. And I wrote it down on the board so I don't forget it. Um, it says uh, cybernetics theory. I think that's the theory. Uh, obviously not mine. Uh, one is like uh, order change. So, uh, and, and that means that you, like first order change, is you identify the problem and that action that you take. So maybe it's smoking. I don't know why I keep going to smoke. Let's do a different one. Wanting to work out. So you identify as, okay, I want to be the person who like, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for a gym. So you go to the gym for three months. 
and stuff gets hard and you fall off. So you start seeing results and then you fall off. It never sticks. And then there's a second order change, which is conceptual change. And that's changing of the mind. Uh, and so for me, I thought that was really cool is because it, in what I've been doing lately is taking scripture and using it as a sword or a weapon, like the Bible says to do, to hit these things. And so one of the, the Bible verses that I, I look at, Roman 12, 2, and so I haven't memorized it yet, but it's, um, scoot over a little, Matt, so I can see it. It's, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so uh, that's all I need. Uh, for me, it's, that says it in, in the whole kit and caboodle is um, like it has to change in your mind. And you have to identify as that person. So however that is, uh, and a lot of times if you're the person for the past five years who said, I want to lose 20 pounds, which is me. I've done that five years in a row. I would look at my journal. If you look at everybody's thing, it's like, I'm going to lose weight. Great. <laughs> but if you keep doing that, then you need to attack those strongholds and what's going on in your head and in your mind that's not allowing you to do that because you can always sign up for a gym. You can always go to the grocery store and eat healthy for a month. It's really hard to do that for a year long or a process. So what are you doing to identify those things? And I think it's taking a honest look and inventory inside your brain. Well, just like that verse says, a lot of those things are caused by conforming to the world. So yeah. what are you doing that everyone else does and everyone else in the same situation as you? Maybe it's starting to start acting like a crazy person and going the other direction. Yeah, I mean, so worldly view versus the kingdom view, which has been new to me is, what we view as a worldly view or what we view as important <clears throat> could be something that isn't necessarily truly important. Um, but uh, a kingdom or like how you view in that aspect of it could be the reason why you're not doing what you're doing. And it has some real value to it. So if you adhere to that, maybe the thing that you've been trying to do for the last 10 years might happen automatically or happen as a side product of what you're trying to do. That's really well said. Like as a, as a side product of, basically a symptom of the new second order person that you've become mentally. So back to the marathon training, if I have a certain time that I'm trying to hit, I have a time in my mind. I'm not going to lie to myself to say I'm not trying to shoot for a time, but I'm not going to let that be my goal. My goal is I want to stick to my, I'm going to write my own training plan. I'm going to stick to that training plan for four months. And if I do that, hopefully this is the end of it. So like, uh, and then the score at the end or whatever, the, the time that I was going for was the end of it. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of wanted to talk about, we, you and I talk about the weeds, like pulling the weeds, right? I don't know how many people have pulled weeds. I've pulled weeds <clears throat> for a long time uh, because uh, that was a job that I did to earn my keep at my house. I was like, hey, go pull weeds. So I pulled weeds. We always hosted Easter at our house, so we pulled a lot of weeds. Um, and recently our story about pulling the weeds in the yard, that's, it just takes work. But if I were to just pull the top of the weed, like if you just grab the top of the weed they just come right back because you're not getting the whole root system. You have to like dig down and get the root system. So that's what it means to attack the problem that the root's connected to. What is that root touching that if I just pull the top by trying to eat healthy for a month or sign up for a gym, you, that's just pulling the top of the weed. Like I need to get down in there in deep. And that might be a, go see a psychiatrist, mental health professional, uh, journal, take inventory, really think about if you have a list of a goal that you want, like how many times have you tried to achieve that goal? What worked? What didn't work? Why didn't it didn't work? You literally have to put in the work by pulling out the weed. And even though you do pull out the root, Maybe that route, you didn't get all of it. You just got most of it. And you have to go in and it kind of goes back. You're like, what? So then you go in and reframe it, do a different way. Okay, try this. And it just takes time to build this thing. And like, even when you think you got it, there's a new route. And you're like, wow, okay. But that's, if you, if you know that that's the approach that you have to take, 
you're going to be a heck of a lot uh, happier because you just know that it takes work constantly. Like you don't have it figured out. The people that are whatever you think is the quality of life that you want to live don't have it figured out. They're continuing to work on it and finding new ways to get that one root out. So absolutely love that metaphor. Yeah, you have to remove the weed and yes. like obviously the farming side. So I'm interested. In. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, Craig Groeschel. Uh, we decided the the weeds thing, uh, but he added the root thing and he even talked about it. That's what makes me fall in love with this guy's writing more and more is he, he has the same metaphors that I thought that maybe my weeds were the metaphor, but it's such a, he has them. And you know what else I found out? Who else has really good metaphors? Who's that? God. Oh, good. In the Bible. Yeah. Like, uh, I for sure thought that I was talking about discipline is like painful. Nope. Hebrews twelve eleven, uh, it's how it legitimately says like discipline like, equals pain, but you get to reap the reward and harvest all the things that you want. Like the people that do that, that's so, the only way. It's so crazy. I just think it's 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 interesting. I don't know what's going on, but it's fun to be a part of it on this little 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 journey. Like building on the weed metaphor, I think it's really good. So if you if like me, you spend some time farming, you start to kind of study nature, and nature's like fascinating. The deeper you get into it. One thing that's interesting with a weed, so let's say you have a weed that you're trying to pull all the time, okay? And so you keep breaking off the top, which is something I've been doing for a lot of years. And it's not until you change that identity and fundamentally pull out the weed that um, you change. But you still have the problem of like the bare soil, right? And so another weed can find it there. And so like when you study nature and you see like, okay, what are the like the pain in the butt weeds? Like the ones that are impossible and it's Bermuda. Bermuda is very challenging, okay? Bermuda is <laughs> great on a golf course, okay, because it spreads. But the problem with Bermuda on a farm is that, um, like, you you try to go like kill it with weed, you know, spray, like what's conventionally done in farming, and it'll like kill the tops, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. uh, you try to like mechanically do it, like you cut it out, but it's amazing because the properties of Bermuda is the tentacles that spread out. Like if you remove those those tentacles are already spread out to other areas in the ground. And so they're already going to like, like basically, you know, come up again. If you try to cut it, like mow your lawn and then dump the clippings, those clippings will spread the Bermuda everywhere else. So controlling Bermuda is like impossible. And I think it's kind of useful, like building on this metaphor is that once you pull the weed, okay, like what are you going to intentionally decide is the Bermuda that's going to like cover everything. And then that Bermuda like constantly keeps spreading. So what is the positive habit positive identity, whatever it is, that can start spreading over everything else and make it so those weeds don't come up anymore. And so if we're gonna oh, extend the metaphor. That's real good. I so, like that one. For me, I, I have an example for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I fought with this a long, a long time, but the thing I've come up with in the past month or so, and what I wanna set as kind of like a theme moving forward, is pre-decide, which okay. also stolen from Craig. Yeah. Uh, when I was thinking through, you know, what does the next year look like for me or next period of my life, I was, you know, really wanted to, like, this idea of focus kept resonating with me, um, of really kind of paring down what was really important, how I was spending my time. Um, and it wasn't until I found this concept pre-decide that, that that's really what I was looking for. And what that means to me is how you're going to use your energy, how you're going to accumulate energy and then use it, you pre-decide what that is. So let's define energy as you know, time, the thing that you're going to spend time on, your nutrition, your movement, even things like stress management that consumes energy and drains you. So you need to think intentionally about how I'm going to like deal with stress and set myself up. So I'm not dealing with stress. Um, one thing that's kind of shook out for me from this whole deal is that 
if I have a session every single day where I predecide, you know, what the next 24 hours is going to look like, um, I map out the meals, I map out time where everything that's going and like intentionally say, okay, I want to spend time with my kids like this, this evening. And so you intentionally set that up. When you do that, it like clears up your brain where you're able to really focus because you know that this is set up for a different time. So having this habit has already had huge effects in my life. And this is one example where I use the Bermuda because by having those pre-decide sessions, that, that's basically choking out all these other issues because I'm pre-deciding what I'm gonna do with that time. And that's been a big benefit for me. And I just, I'm sharing that because I really wanna challenge other people to think through that. Think through like what's been resonating with you. Set it up for the next season, you know, for winter or spring, whatever it is. Like we're going into kind of a winter season. What has been resonating with you? And there's a reason that you keep getting this theme or keep getting this idea. Because you need to take that idea and intentionally how am I gonna build this into my life? And a great way to do that is kind of with a theme, which for me is like a word that kind of encapsulates that. And then you start applying that to different areas, okay? I'm from the word, I've intentionally kind of set aside a habit like you talked about earlier flossing. Mm-hmm. I've intentionally set aside a habit of these planning sessions. I've been tracking that. And that's been a very helpful habit. And I noticed that when I didn't do those time, like on Christmas Eve, when it's completely backed up, like you, I can feel it. I feel like that old person. I feel like there's weeds starting to germinate. But when I do the planning session, when everything's mapped out, like that's that Bermuda constantly spreading. And it spreads to all different areas of my life and kind of chokes out all these like previously poor behaviors. I, I- I love that. I think that's fantastic. I, the fact that you changed the metaphor of a weed to be a negative thing to make the the constant spreading of Bermuda a positive thing is enlightening. That's Ooh. pretty cool. Like the way that you did that, it's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, study nature. Like, <laughs> and this goes to like attention. Like when you when you when you make yourself be bored and you get outside or just go for walks. Like, take a look and, like, it sounds cheesy, but study nature. And it's amazing how all these natural mechanisms that, you know, have, like, carried on for thousands of years, you can apply them and pull them into your life. And so, specifically, attention is a huge one. You know, like, if you think about it, like, a lot of people, and I don't do this, thank God, anymore. But when you wake up and the first thing you do is, like, constantly engaged by the device, right? And you're constantly, like internalizing the stresses of everything else in the entire world like you can't control it you can't can change and then throughout the day you just keep bombarding that i mean the subtle effect that has on our like stress system on our brain how we're doing it is like unbelievable and so this is one area where i would just challenge people like you got to pull back don't conform to the world you got to pull back from devices your system of setting up your phone in a way that you know, it's isolated. It's not even an option because if it's an option on your phone, so I haven't shared this with you, but a couple of weeks ago, I had my wife put a password on my phone again. Okay. Cause it, you set a line, you set a line and like now my phone is so freaking boring and that's good because all you can do with it is capture. And so I have a password. I can't do- download any apps or anything on my phone. So no more YouTube coming on, nothing that's going to suck attention. Uh, we put restrictions on like websites and everything. It's meant for kids, you know, but like, I'm not too ashamed to say that like, now it's now I've set a barrier where it's no longer an option. And I just think that's crucial for people. And so that would be one thing I would challenge people is pre-decide how you're going to spend your time. And part of that is put systems in place that are going to enable you to commit to what you've decided to do. And, and uh, I think you touched on a lot of amazing things. But one there you said boredom and uh, the, the comfort crisis. Have you read that book yet? So the comfort crisis talks about the importance of being bored and uh, I think that that's a lot of times if, if you're like stress plus rest equals growth, but like what you said, if you're constantly, if your boredom is scrolling through Instagram, your mind isn't at rest. If your boredom is, um, I don't know, hitting work emails, that's not 
you're not giving your mind rest. Rest would be like doing absolutely nothing and just letting your mind wander. And so walking, I think has been a really good one for me and just letting your, and just being quiet and still. And I think that you touched on that. And what you see is by doing that, you can kind of resonate, had this idea of like Bermuda, or you had this idea of like watching nature because it's already in place. It's been going around for ages and ages and ages. Like there's already systems in place that work really well. Why don't we just adapt to those and kind of see what works and then don't, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. One thing that you touched on last week or a couple weeks ago is that you saw that there's different seasons for harvest. So during the winter, the, the earth naturally produces slower growing, uh, longer lasting vegetation or longer lasting vegetables, such as butternut squash, sweet potatoes and all that stuff. And then in the summer, spring, it kind of has instant carbs because you're going to be using those things for that type of work. And I think that's very important to remember that throughout the year, you shouldn't just, you should, uh, if you set a goal, it has to not change, but you have to manipulate what's going on for the different time of season. Like there's a time during baseball season where it's really hard for me to hit something in a certain place. So I have to manipulate my plan of attack so that I can still achieve that goal, but know that it's going to change because then sw uh, swimming happens in the summer. Now I don't have as much time, so now I have to manipulate it that way. And in the fall, you know that the holidays are coming in our, in our family. It's birthdays, holidays. So if you don't have a plan in place for that different season, it's going to be going in. That kind of resonated because that was a nature thing that you had talked about. And I thought that was pretty yeah the 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 watch like your watch and time as an idea was yeah. only like a recent creation you know which even one? even like the huh which oh this one like, a watch. just any watch yeah. like the, the idea of like keeping time is like a this is like a recent creation uh -huh. i just think if you take a step back and kind of study nature a little bit and look at you know there's like a season for everything and you go through different changes throughout the season and so that's another thing where people say a new year's resolution right this is gonna be for the whole year and in the past i've set a theme for the whole year and that has been positive, but you're a completely different person 11 months than you were the previous 11 months ago. And so to me, it's very important to maybe honor the natural like systems that go through life mm -hmm. and say, what, am, what, am, what do I need to attack during this season, during the winter? You know, for our business, it's very different, you know, during the winter time versus the springtime. So like, let's attack and see what we can work on during the winter time. And in the spring, when the spring comes, there's gonna be new ideas, new stuff that's come up. So let's adapt. This also helps you save time. I used to spend a lot of time pre-planning what the year was going to look like, this theme. And you, you relieve the pressure if you look at things seasonally. So, you know, during the winter, what do I hope to achieve during the winter? You know, for me, that means kind of three weeks ago is kind of when I started up until, we'll see, like March. Mm -hmm. But if you pay attention to those natural systems, it's not like a date in the calendar. Um, that's been very beneficial for me in my life. That's really cool. We, uh, that kind of, t I th think it relates to having like a big goal and then micro goals or small goals leading up to that one goal. So let's say my race is to run a marathon in December at a certain time. Then in the, in the spring, I should run, try to run a 5k at this time. Yeah. I was so really attracted to that. It idea. breaks it up. And then, it, uh, in the summer, I want to hit a 10k in the fall I want to hit a half at this time. So that way when I get to the winter, I'm like, Oh, now I've done that. The same thing happens. We were talking about my wife and I are try to come up with ideas so we can teach these little values to our kids. And one thing that came up in conversation this morning was having a year long calendar and to each pick one thing that we choose mine. It might be praying for Levi. It's going to be reading for Ray. She said, taking good naps, which is great for us. I love that one. <laughs> I, I think Kier's is going to be That's walking adorable. more times throughout the day. And so we pick one thing and, uh, if you, you get a big calendar, we each have a different star. You or my daughter gets a, a star sticker. My son gets a clover sticker. I get a heart sticker and my wife gets like a happy face sticker. And each morning, cause we try to have breakfast together or at yeah. dinner when we have dinner together, yeah. we get to put our sticker on the day of the calendar to see how many days out of the year we can 
achieve or try to get, achieve that. And so at the end of that year, we're trying to figure out what is the reward. Is it going to a certain place as a family together? Is it getting something that we really want or need for a house and then having it there? We're trying to stay away from a food like going out to eat at Rick's Pizza or going out to eat somewhere. We're trying to just because I was rewarded a lot as food. <clears throat> and so we're trying to find uh, something. And it's not a toy. We don't want it to value a toy. We want it to be something in the family. So and when I we pitched this idea to each other, <clears throat> Kira had a really good idea of like, you know, what we need to do is a, a one a month as well. So something that they get to keep them entertained because for them to think about a year long, it's really hard, but we're going to be able to hopefully have this next to our dinner table and we each get to put our sticker each day up on that thing. And it's for us is to show that it might not happen every day, but it's how many of those days out of 365 can we get our sticker on there and see if we've changed it all. And not being like how many days in a row, but saying like, okay, I did majority of this. I'd rather see like 20 stickers out of 30 for the month versus 10 stickers in a row and then no other stickers because I gave up because I missed one day. And so we're going to try to preach those messages in this year. We don't know exactly how we're going to do it. We're letting it marinate for a little bit. Uh, but that's something we're working on as a family to kind of come up with. I just absolutely brilliant idea. I use an app on my phone called Everyday. Yeah. And that's been very useful over the past month or so of visualizing the same thing. We just like tick. Yeah. Did I do this thing? Did I play guitar this morning? Yeah. Like, and I've constrained it to only four because you can visualize on your phone. So I've constrained it to only four things, but you can visualize and you put the streaks together. And then the morning, that's been extremely helpful having it visualized. I absolutely love the idea of putting it up somewhere off devices to do with your family. What a great way to teach consistency to your kids. Well, I think um, a couple of things that you said in there. I, yeah, I think uh, the screen, whatever. I'm trying to get off my phone as much as possible. So I'm trying to alleviate it. So not even look at it, but it's something you can visualize when you're not, uh, when you're walking around your house, you can see like every single time we're sitting together at the dinner or breakfast table, or if we're having lunch together, we can look, oh, okay. Like a constant reminder. Um, I think you referenced it at our Bible study about how, when you have, we talked about it with core values and a mission statement. They said like post it everywhere. Do you remember uh, by chance where that was? Uh, Danny had brought it up in the conversation, but in scripture, it talks about how you should post it on the walls, post it on the, above the window seals, post it here, post it there. So that when you see it, you can constantly be reminded. I think that's super important. That's why a lot of people will write it on their uh, their mirrors in their bathroom. A lot of people, just a constant uh, thing. One thing I did notice is I, what I've done in the past is I've done four or five goals. Say like, okay, I want to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to read every day. I'm going to um, floss my teeth every day. I'm going to, I don't know, give my kids a hug every day. I should do all those things anyway every day. That's true. But uh, if I make those four things, a lot of times that I won't get all four of them. And so I get kind of defeated. What I'd like to do and what I've learned recently is to pick one thing and try to make that a staple in your brain. So instead of thinking of 10 goals in one year, think about one goal a year for 10 years. So think about that incremental gains that you can do by addressing it one goal at a time. This is also from that same guy. Uh, as we're talking about it, he did his one goal. And now he keeps that goal. And then on year two, he adds one more. So instead of adding 10, he's adding one a year for 10 years versus 10 in one year. And I think that's super beneficial. And I think a lot of people, including myself, has done too much at one time. Uh, one thing that's kind of helped me with um, not necessarily goal setting, but it's helped me identify kind of these problems is when I write in my journal, I'm writing to my future self. And so recently in, in reading, it talked about 
uh, Matthew McConaughey, when they ask like who his hero was at 15, they say my, my, myself in 10 years. And then when he got to be 25, they're like, who is, did you, you met your hero? And he goes, no, my new hero is 10 years from now me. And I really, I, that resonated with me. I thought that was really cool. And for me, when I write and look at my journals, I'm technically writing to myself in the future. And so I get to see these different moods. There's one that I was reading in high, high school that I wrote and I said, hella, almost every other word. I was like, Sounds right. That's pretty bad. To the point where I was writing it, and uh, every sentence had it in it. It was a very distracting, but it was funny for me to like look back at that at 17 or 16 years old. That's what the way I was thinking, and so I put it on. But I was writing to myself now when I was reading it, and so with the journals that I write in now, I'm writing to myself in the future so that I can go in and look at it. So I'm almost reminding my future self of the things I was going through now. And one thing you can do is look back and say, see if you're redoing those themes, see if you're still thinking that way and attack it that way. So, but if you don't know where you were started, you don't know kind of anything that's going on or if you're seeing any change. So that's why I love journals because I can go back and reflect on them. So what's the looking glass theory? You see yourself through other people's eyes. Okay. So how like, do you do that? No, that's how people view themselves. Interesting. Explain more. Okay. So if I, you do things based off of the view that other people view you as, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you're doing stuff or you're, you think people view you a certain way and that's the way you view yourself through their lens. And so, uh, that's just a, a theory that they talk about in the power to change in this book where uh, that's just a, uh, an interesting way that people identify. And I've caught myself doing that for, for sure, like 100%, uh, judging myself based off of what I believe other people do. Uh, Kier and I had an interesting conversation where we had talked about if, and this is going to be a controversial topic probably, I'm sorry, if a young girl walked into a room versus a not-so-young girl, like a young mid-20s, versus a, I don't know, 45, 50-year-old girl, a woman walked into a room, um, we had talked about who would get more attention. And uh, the way that we perceived it was the way that we thought who would get the most attention. And it was different. It was based off of our different views. And when we came down to it, it was the way that we were viewing that situation is the way that we thought other people would react. So next time you believe someone's going to react a certain way, take a, a look inside yourself to see if that's just you, the way that you would do it, but you're putting that through somebody else. And it was very eye-opening for both of us to see that we're actually uh, designating the view through which someone else is going to do, yeah. that makes sense, yeah. through our own glasses, because that was our insecurities or that was our thoughts. And so we put that on other people, which isn't fair to other people. So I just thought that was a, a pretty cool. And it kind of relates to the looking glass. Yeah, it was so. good metaphor. What does, what do you mean by when you say, what is fixed first growth mindset? So I wrote it down up there and, um, Carol S. Dweck, Carol Dweck wrote a book called The Growth Mindset. And I re recommend people to read it. And in it talks there, it says, I am today who I will always be, would be like a fixed mindset. So I'm not a fast runner or I'm a terrible speller or I'm overweight uh, versus the, um, the power of yet thinking to yourself, like always be
be in the state of becoming. So that's not my words, right? I wrote them down. Uh, I really like that for the growth mindset. Always be in the state of becoming. So understanding that you're continuously growing. You're continuously learning and never being satisfied, kind of currently where you are, and understand that um, you continuously are going to see growth is going to be, I think, more beneficial than saying, I'm this person. So understanding that if I, I was a terrible reader, I was a terrible reader, and now I identify as a, a good reader because I read consistently. When I was younger, my fixed mindset was I was a terrible reader because I thought that way. And I was reinforced with being made fun of because I couldn't read or being insecure when I'd read out loud and stutter on the words. And so as a young kid, I was like, man, I, I, I suck at reading versus like having the and then once I acknowledge the fact that I'm a good reader, I just need to practice more. I started practicing more then I became a great reader. So now I'm a fantastic reader. I always room for growth. I'm not the best reader but I identify as someone who's a good reader because I read a lot. Uh, and so those are the two different mindsets. And I could be stuck. A lot of people are stuck in that, that slot where I'll never see personal growth. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to have anxiety versus someone that says, yeah, I have anxiety now, but I bet you that I can do something and learn something to get rid of this anxiety over time. So if I'm a victim mindset, right, you can think of that like, ah, oh, this always happens to me versus like, oh, this happened to me this time, but I bet you next time it won't. Those are the two different. Is that kind of... How do you... How do you if you, is it something that you innately have where you're having this growth mindset versus someone who doesn't have the desire to, someone who doesn't think through, like improving themselves intentionally and um, viewing the world this way of like, oh, I haven't done that yet. Have you ever, can you put that in someone? Like, can you lead someone to that of like, I, you're going to have, I'm going to help you have a growth mindset because it's got to come from within, right? Yeah. So I don't think I could you know, lead a horse to water, right? Yeah. But you can't make him drink. In the book, it talks about how you can develop a growth mindset. So if you have a fixed mindset, there's hope for you because you can develop a growth mindset. I don't think that, let's say you had a, uh, the, the, the fixed mindset. I couldn't make you not have it. But let's just say one way that I fix it is, uh, which I think is a, another great way to do it, is the words that you speak. And that's another thing from scripture. It's like, gosh, I did it again. Uh, the words that come out of your mouth and the thoughts that you think are the way that you behave out in the world. So if you're saying the words like, I have to do this, I know we've done, talked about this before, I have to go pick up my kids versus I get to go pick up my kids. It changes the mindset. Uh, I can't read. I can't read yet. Two different statements. I can't lose weight. I can't lose weight yet. Or I haven't, I can't lose weight versus I haven't lost weight yet. Or um, I have to lose weight. Or I get to try new things to lose weight. There's just ways that you can word and it's just a flip of a switch and it completely changes the way that you frame it in your brain. I think a lot of it happens with the way that we talk about our spouses. If we talk so negatively about our spouses, then we're going to think negatively about our spouses. But if we talk so positively about our spouses, you're going you're gonna to do and think the way that you speak. Uh, and so I think it's a really good way. There's a study, I don't know, right? I, again, I think it's Unlocking Your Potential or Chasing Greatness, whatever it is by Ben Bergeron. He, and it's not his, it's another study, but they talk about, um, and I've experienced this, and everyone that listens to it or that we talk to has experienced it, where they, they'll get a car and they'll want a Jeep Wrangler. All of a sudden they're driving and they're like, why is there so many Jeep Wranglers everywhere now? 
uh, it's not that there's more Jeep Wranglers than there normally is. Your brain is just tricked to pick it up. So you're seeing all these things. If you come into this gym and you say, uh, what's blue in this gym? And they'll be like, oh, this, that was so right. Well, how many things were red? You're like, I don't know. Because you weren't looking for them. But there's plenty of things that are red in this gym. So it's, it's what you're looking for is what you're going to get. And then the way that you speak and the words that come out of your mouth. We went to a, um, a sermon at Lifeline Church. I'd say that Pastor Elliot is his name. And he had a really good metaphor. We had a flashlight next to his mouth. And it was very visual. And he uh, put that flashlight. So whatever he was speaking is what he saw because that's what it put a spotlight on. I thought that was pretty cool. And so I thought that was pretty good. And I think you and I have talked about it before is what we say, if we complain all the time, we're going to have a, a not so happy life, but we be aware of the things that we're complaining about. You're going to start noticing that a lot of people complain. Uh, there's another thing that you said in there about like who you not, you didn't say who you hang out with, but the soil that which you're in. And when you said that, it reminded me of the type of people that you hang out with might be the type of soil that you're in. So if you're in a type of soil, type of people that you're hanging out with that are negative, complaining, view these things of cars, house size, whatever, jacket, purse, glasses, shoes are important, then you're going to view those things that are important. But if you're with people that view conversation, movement, health, healthy eating, uh, great conversation, whatever it is, then you're going to be like those people. So look at who you hang out with and that's exactly who you are. And who you're spending time with on social media. Yeah. Or who you're viewing on social media. One, one thing that I've learned recently is that all the people that used to annoy me on social media, when I'm not on social media, they don't annoy me because I don't think of them. What? Uh, Nick talked about it last week and Wednesday. What do you, do you remember the, the clip that he was quoting from Mad Men? He said, there's a, a gentleman in the elevator and they didn't like each other. And the guy said, I think very little of you. And his response is like, I don't think of you. Mm-hmm. Like that was, I don't think about you at all. Yeah. yeah. I don't think about anybody that, uh, that used to bother me. And so it's like self-inflicted pain. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. People stop the pain. I think uh, the last thing I'd like to hit on would be something that I learned from that wrote the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... Manson. Manson. What's his first name? Mark Manson. Mark Manson. And in it, was, it resonated with me enough to write it out on the board. It says, what are you willing to suffer for? And I think um, if when we're designing goals and themes and looking back at the years, like what are you willing to suffer for? It's like, what do you value? What's important to you? So you need to like write down what's important to you and do those things. And if you write down what's important to you, then it kind of helps, like what you said, predetermine and uh, put Bermuda in a positive way over those other things that don't matter at all. So they don't even come out. Um, One way to get rid of Bermuda is to put a box and take the light out of it. So if you're using the fact that Bermuda is the the, like people can have negative bermuda like you can try to reframe as positive like let's say there's like a negative i'm trying to reframe as positive if i yeah if you're using the bermuda to suffocate the negative then nothing else is going to come up from it and that would be like finding out what's important to you so what's important to me potentially is like being a good husband being a good father being a good friend my current spiritual journey uh conversation those are important to me versus like uh the type of car i drive how my, what type of job my wife has, what type of job my husband has, what kid 
or school does my kids go to? Um, how many followers do I have? How many likes do I get? What comments am I getting on my Instagram page and my TikTok or what kind of dance am I doing? If you look at that as being important, like that's going to suffocate this stuff. But if you look at this being important, that's going to lay over those things. Those mean nothing. So find out what's important to you. And if that's truly what's important to you, then go do those things. But if you like look down and see this thing, then do that. Look at those things. I really like that because, and this is tied into what you were saying earlier about, you know, circle back around to, I am not a smoker. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I've done copying you is basically, I've looked at this all the time is I've just written down like what those things are that are important to me. Okay. And I put them in here, whether it's Bible verses or, you know, like you mentioned, like mission and core values. Um, I review this thing all the time. And like when you, when you accumulate enough of them and what's in here is basically my theme, what I was talked about for predecide and kind of some thoughts around that, that I want to make sure I remember, um, what's in here is Bible verses that are aligned with that theme. And then what else is in here is kind of like song lyrics. And, um, I've just captured these things that made me feel a certain way. And by reviewing it all the time, it helps you, you know, build these new trenches like we were talking about. And one way to intentionally say like, I'm not a smoker anymore is just visit, like actually say it, you know, I am no longer a smoker. I am no longer a smoker. And so, um, that's, I feel like that's helped a lot. These little note cards and flash, you know, notebooks and flashcards that you came up with have been really helpful for me. So, uh, I, I think that's great. I didn't come up with the note cards or the flashcards. You kind of did. I mean, you kind of just like started writing things on note cards. I was like, oh, that, that's brilliant. That came up to me by someone telling me in, in the book that I was reading to do what you're saying and is to say it out loud because the the ruts that we have in our life are are uh, neuron like motor neuron links inside of our brain, and so if we say and our words are what we think and view. And so if I say that I'm a smoker, or I'm fat or I'm not worth anything or I'm this and I'm not that, if you don't think about how negatively that's affecting your motor neurons and the pathways that your body is doing and how it triggers your brain, then you're not, you're not getting it. So if I say like, I'm a good reader, I'm a fast runner, I'm a, uh, an athlete, I'm a uh, healthy person. I'm uh, not a smoker. I'm a person who loves my wife you're going to be that person, but you have to say it more often because you got to re if I have these trenches or sorry, not, these ruts that I've developed over the last 20 to 30 years, it's going to take a lot of work to remill out of that rut. And in the book, the power to change, it talks about how you can be on this rut for 20 years. And it's just this little thing. You see it in the mud that you used to follow and you can be in there and be in there and be in there. You really got to like force yourself out of it. And then now what you do to get to stay from being out of there, you got to be out, you got to dig these trenches. And by digging these trenches, it's by using these things. And so like you do, I, I use the scripture now, uh, as, as a Bible verses to kind of help out and to remind me of, of these things. And that's a topic I'd like to t talk about next week. If, uh, if it's something that you're uh, willing to do is to kind of deep dive into some kind of religious and, uh, some ideas that I've come to terms with and, and not necessarily like, cause I don't know a lot about, a religion yet. Um, but I do know that I will know a lot about religion, but I also know that I will, when I will never know enough. And so I will continue to learn and I will continue to seek and continue to, um, deep dive and learn new things. And I'm excited for that journey. And it's, I, there's no insight for me. I don't have a goal besides to like surrender. And I, and so like for me, I'm just trying to like enjoy this process of this newfound love for this thing. And, um, I'm excited if, if that's something that we can, or you'd be interested in talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it'd be fun to kind of drop some, some scripture and, and maybe, uh, like a preview of what we do on Wednesday nights here and talk about that and, and kind of, um, kind of go that route.